If you are under the age of 16, we will come after you with a pool noodle if you read this fic. This is episode 81 of Potterfic Weekly. Happy 29th birthday, Harry. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. Hey, Ron. The next time you're... And welcome back to Pyrofic Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Jen. <laughs> I'm Sue. I'm Ray. <laughs> we are welcoming classic Jen back to the podcast. She was in episode 75, and before that, I think she was in episode 6, and now she's back again. <laughs> Jen may sound a little scratchy, because to celebrate her return to Pyrofic Weekly, Jen's, well, her house is flooded because of an issue with her water heater, but... That we, we fixed that in time for the podcast, and then her internet exploded. So with hours to go, Jen called the cable company and was crying to the cable company, and they said, this is unprecedented, it's 9 o'clock at night, but we will send a technician to your home if you promise to stop crying. Basically. Yeah, he rushed out, and we postponed the podcast, and Jen is proud to report that he couldn't fix it, so she's hijacking Wi-Fi from the house next door. Jen, welcome home. Thanks. I was embarrassed afterwards. Well, you did call me and had a nervous breakdown. I know. I called Ryan literally girls. I'm like, oh, my. Um, It's 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 just the internet. Don't touch a computer. Don't ever touch a computer. So we are covering for the next four weeks When a Lioness Fights by Kaylee Silverstorm. We wanted to have a Hermione Snape fic on the podcast. It's in Jen's contract. Now, here's the thing. We were ready to discuss the fic on the podcast, and then Jen... calls me to say she's having a baby so we're like well you're going to have to podcast she's like ryan my delivery date is the date you're podcasting i'm like jen they're doing wonderful things with medication now oh my goodness you can actually podcast in delivery wouldn't do it we had to postpone so we we insisted jen be here for um for the hermione snape one so funny because I so wanted to use because I was in such a Hermione snake cake about four years ago and I realize now that it's actually been four years which is really really weird um, that it's been that long but I was obsessed with this like entire genre and then I just left it and haven't gone back so actually in my reread it's kind of like reading it for the first time again because it's been four years <laughs> but anyway Ray are you a Hermione Snape fan or are you oh, just yeah. a non Harry Ginny fan where do you come in for those oh I have no problem with Harry Ginny I like most pairings have you read after the end uh, no, <laughs> I can't get through that thick for the life of me. What is that? It's like it's like half of the people can't digest corn or something. I don't get it. <laughs> I even promised Julia that I would read it, and I got to chapter seven again, and then I just gave it up and read other things. Snape and Hermione is my favorite. I think everything. Yay! But canon chips or non-canon chips, I just enjoy reading this one. Okay. Sue, how you doing? Pertaining to Snape Hermione. It was okay. Is I this had originally... the first thing you read? Yes. You had actually recommended it. I had asked you a year <laughs> or so ago for something to read, and this was one of the ones that you had given me. So that was it was, you know, a little different. 
Yes, this was in my really dark and angsty years. I'm just. I'm sorry. I'm reminded right now of when um, the original peons, not the next generation, but the original generation of peons, did the episode on Snary. Yes. And Sue was <laughs> called on to give her opinion, and she's like, "Oh my, it was different. It was. It was very interesting. It really squeaked me out. Just reading the first few lines made me shudder. I had to stop reading." I tried again a little bit later. In the end, I had to get out the brain bleach so that I could sleep without bad dreams. I'm sorry. It's not something I'd like to read. Oh, it cracked me up. That was bad. I I listened to that and laughed and laughed and laughed and said, I can't believe they put this on. We had a hole in the in, in the schedule. This is my first um, Snape Hermione fic. I think probably the most off-center fic we've covered so far for me has been a year like none other. I definitely found myself comparing and contrasting uh, this fic to a year like none other, uh, in some good ways and some bad ways. Uh, Kayla Silverstorm is not a native-speaking... Um, English is not her first language, so um, she made that clear in the beginning. Probably could have used you know, some substantial beta work just on you know, tenses and, and spelling. Do we know what her primary language is? Uh, do we? I don't know off the top of my head, but I know P.S., who was supposed to be here tonight, but she's in the car driving to Maryland, so she'll be back next week. But P.S. did indicate that it was um, available in French as well, but I don't believe that was her native language oh. for whatever reason. Oh, but, wow. But P.S. <laughs> being the child prodigy was actually reading the French version the last I spoke to her. So. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I patted her in the head. I'm like, you're so cute. You speak eight I tried to read the first Harry Potter in in French. I got the French book. And I made it through, like, the first paragraph. And I was like, this is stupid. (laughs) I don't speak French. What the hell? I can't do it. (laughs) I took, like, seven years. I'm not completely. Say something in French. Bonjour. <laughs> Bonjour. <laughs> wow, I can do that one. <laughs> She's from Germany. <laughs> Thank God Sue's here. Sue's the only one that researches. <laughs> She's German. All right. Um, oh, good. Way to go, Sue. <laughs> I wonder if P.S. speaks German. I took Spanish for five years, and I'm the guy who who's at the counter at Taco Bell going, yo, arboir. Like, I can't speak another language. Buenos dias. Buenos dias. Como esta? Como esta? Buenos dias. Buenos dias. Como esta? Como esta? Muy bien. Muy bien. Gracias. Y usted? I live in Texas, so it's practically... But like, I, like P.S. I am convinced is a child prodigy, and it's really hard to speak a different language, and it's even harder to write in another language. So I definitely give her kudos. And if I remember right, you did have a lot of influence on this, and Dude, and thank uh, you. You were picking. I think that it came down to like two, and you got to choose between the two because I know that yeah, Cody right. sent a long 
message to you. Couldn't begging. send a short novel, as I recall, <laughs> yeah. and I basically. Yeah. Jen was dragging her feet because she was pregnant and she was tired. And- no, it, uh, well, what an excuse. But do you remember, I wrote Ryan and I was like, Ryan, we've got two here. We can do the one. No, we had a bunch of choices and Jen whittled it down. And obviously we have, you know, some concerns because we have some younger listeners with all these different factors, pie charts and demographics and all that crap. And I, I swear to God, we were polling for congressional candidates. <laughs> and Jen literally sent me an email. She's like, I have given it due consideration. Then she dozed off. She was pregnant, so she dozed off. So she called me back eventually. She's like, where was I? And I do consider it. Okay, I remember. So we go ahead, and she's like, now, I've narrowed it down to two fix. Do you want the one where Hermione gets raped, or the one where Hermione gets eaten? Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. And I'm like, there's cannibalism on Parfic Weekly? Yeah, Cannibal. it was cannibal. Yes, it was cannibalism of some sort. I don't remember what fig it was, but I remember going, wow, this is going to be tough. Oh, no, it was the vampire one where he sucks her blood. Say it. Vampire. So I'm thinking about of it. And I okay, really I want that one. <laughs> we had a lot of requests for when a lioness fight, so we went in that direction. Um, so our tradition is I usually will read the first chapter of a story months before we cover it. And I usually get a really bad opinion of the story from the first chapter. I misread it. Or in the case of Jen, she reads the complete wrong story and doesn't know what the hell. <laughs> I do no, not. what was the one? You read the wrong... No, it was Nightmare of Futures Past. You thought it was... You th- you thought that was the story where Harry walked around in leather with like, a ball oh, in yeah. his mouth. Well, couldn't it figure out why we loved it. Title. That is just honest confusion. That's not that's bad memory. That's not being reading the wrong story. You sent me a message, Ryan. This is going to be a disaster. You're going to ruin the podcast. <laughs> I'm like, really? It's, I know. it's good. And you're like, it's good, you sick bastard. It's not I'm like, wow, Jen's really. We go round and round. Jen's really taking the We've missed you, Jen. We really have. I've missed y'all too. Oh, how's God's son? He's at his grandmother's right now. This is the first. Y'all should be really special. This is the first three-hour chunk of time I've spent without my screaming child, and I'm spending it with you instead of in bed. <laughs> like, Quick, let's talk about Snape and Hermione. Go on. In the first chapter, it's it's Hermione speaking like the love child of Seven of Nine and Spock. <laughs> she, you know what I mean? She's very efficient, she's very beautiful, and she has pointed ears. And she's explaining <laughs> that she has become a Death Eater. And there's nothing you can do about it. And Dumbledore actually said, I think he actually might say it in the story. His response is, oh my, um, Sherbert Lemon? 20 points from Gryffindor. Thanks, Hermione. <laughs> okay, I actually wrote notes on, I, before we get into the story real quick, I want to comment on her writing style, at least for these first 20 chapters. Oh, I've I- missed Jen's notes. <laughs> Oh, that's good. I'm glad. Well, at least they're not novel length. I mean, I kept them short. This is one of those stories that I felt that the writer started off with an idea and then kind of changed the characters a bit to how she wanted. And then by like chapter 10, she'd found her stride and it sort of went a bit smoother. Did y'all find that to be true at all? Yeah. Right before this, we covered um, Creative Quills, Power of Truth, Power of Faith. And one of the things about that one was it seemed like the author sat down and said, I want to write this story. And then a few chapters in, why don't we do this one instead? And they drop the plot line and they move it. So it was, it was like a continual reach for the actual plot line. 
it, it was originally a story about a muggle in the Wizarding World, and it was a love story about Harry and Ginny, and then it was about you know exile from the Wizarding World, and then it was about all these other different things. And at one point, I think it was about you know shopping sprees and stuff. It, it was it, it was all over the map in terms of the plot because the author was writing it as she went along, and if her muse told her to go left, she went left. Well, no, it was it was it was the pacing of it too because. Like, when we were doing A Year Like None Other, I said at the time, you've got to convince me why these characters will go from where we know them to this new place where, you know, Hermione and Draco are tight and Snape is an okay guy and so forth. And it was weird because it literally started off in Dumbledore's office with Hermione announcing, I've become a Death Eater. I'm like, huh? Just so you know. <laughs> I'm like, You're definitely not in the same place. Okay, okay, why are your ears pointy? Like, so it started off just in that place. She sounds, she's like a Vulcan with big boobs. She's seven of nine into Vox Love Child. I've noticed your attempts to engage me in idle conversation. And I see the way your pupils dilate when you look at my body. Are you in love with me? You wish to copulate? Take off your clothes. Don't be alarmed. I won't hurt you. I think thought that the that the writer was trying to make her seem older so that it wouldn't be that creepy teacher student thing well i definitely don't pick up on that at all i remember we had this discussion way back when about when is it acceptable when is it not and in most of these stories they take away the student teacher element they put them in a different location or you know what i mean that's what they did it to make it seem like it, it's not such a big age gap, or they make her mind extremely mature and intelligent. You know what it was, and, and this is, I think, the issue I had with the early chapters. In terms of setup, if you're going to make Hermione tight with Draco, and if you're going to uh, move Snape into the position of being someone who's very close to Hermione as well, and if you're going to explain why you know Ron and Harry have changed so much from how we knew them in previous stories, you you really need a catalyst to do that. And I was expecting, okay, maybe at the Department of Mysteries, Hermione, maybe her injuries were the catalyst for some type of breakdown, and as a result of the breakdown, she and Draco came together, and as a result of her and Draco coming together, maybe she moved. I was waiting for, like, the A to B to C to D, and instead of that, you get the sense through these chapters um, in listening to McGonagall that this is just the Hermione we all know and love, and she's always been capable of more and they're concerned about the day when she would become more powerful than Dumbledore and I just got the sense that this is there's no real catalyst for why Hermione would do this this is just the character that we always know and it doesn't feel like the character we always know it doesn't help that she starts off in chapter one as like this kick-ass death eater and then she changes to like vulnerable little girl there's not a consistency until, you know, after chapter 10 or so, and then you're like, okay, I'm starting to get a feel. Well, there's masks, and unfortunately, unfortunately, she's wearing one the first time we see her, so I, as the reader, don't know, okay, is this a vulnerable Hermione putting on a brave face, or is this Hermione just the ultimate Mary Sue? And I assumed, having no other info, that she was the ultimate Mary Sue, and Dumbledore was the confused old man, and it just kind of went from there i did have trouble getting into it just based on the way it began it seems a bit like she starts off as a newbie writer and then gets a lot more confident with it and even now like she's in the 70s chapter 70s the story is so smooth like i it's yeah well she started this story in what oh four and she's still writing it is it completed or is it still it's not completed no last chapter says there's like three more or something 
It's almost completed. I when did the last chapter come out? Two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, it was, it was recent, that's for sure. Okay. April uh, 10 is when the story was updated last, so... I thought you were going to say it was like seven years ago. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Like I said, I, I had strong issues with it in the very beginning, but there's also other you know, stories <laughs> I and told- films. We were talking, and I was like, I'm so embarrassed for Ryan to be reading this story. It's sort of like when you talk to your dad about sex for the first time. <laughs> like, it's like my brother. Like, here's this rape story, Joe. <laughs> well, it, well it, I, was, I was literally like, oh, my. Oh, it's just like a bloodbath. <laughs> <laughs> because I was, I really thought that. <laughs> and, and it's nothing to do. It's it's no complaint or anything. But I really thought that the way the story was set up was that you know you would see Hermione's return to the castle and you would have vague impressions of the awful things that happened to her while she was gone. And I didn't think we'd actually get like the camera eye view. I'm like, oh my. Um, mm. She's literally like, I think we need to put this in the restricted section. I'm like, no, it's fine because I was on chapter five. Then I'm like, oh my god, we have children who read this. So we're gonna. <laughs> the last few yeah, days that I've been rereading it, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> I, well, I was so shocked because it's, <laughs> it's, the one it's not it. it. <laughs> I, it's been like four years, leave me alone. Like I said, I was reading this and I was in like a dark and angsty place. Well, so far for me, it's the, the one scene that was really difficult was the one where Snape invades Hermione's mind. Yeah. yeah. Is that a more common occurrence as the story goes into future chapters or do we continue reading scenes as graphic as that here and there i think i think so <laughs> you're like you're at the tip of the iceberg. yeah we haven't gotten into a whole lot yet here no. oh there is some stuff later on so i, I was got distracted doing- yesterday by a new trailer and so i didn't read any of these chapters then by the time this comes out the movie will be on dvd but for those of you who are listening to this <laughs> it's recorded the day after i think the international is the international no it's it's the, fifth the new trip. one. It is the so very new. Awesome. It is awesome. Wait, you saw it, Ryan. We talked about it last night. I know, but come I didn't on, know we tried to pull you in and make you watch it. Oh, We're like, so Sue, dumb. come on, watch it. She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> then I'm like, what? I can't watch it. I'm watching the Star Trek trail. No, I said I cannot play. I have to read my chapters. This is true. Poor Sue. I- I'm like, Sue, you want to be on the podcast? She's like, sure, Ryan. I'll stay up all night and read, and she means it. <laughs> It did. I was up till midnight, and I had to get up at five this morning for a meeting. It was awful. Oh, my goodness gracious. No, I'm too old now. I can't do any of that anymore. Oh, please. I'm, I'm older than you are. Yeah, I'm older than both of you. <laughs> when I get older, losing my head, many years from now, will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? I'm I'm going off my notes here because I put quite a lot of thought into them. It's funny to me that she schedules an appointment with a note, and then she like appears in the shadows by a window in his office. <laughs> she walks into Dumbledore's <laughs> office. Good afternoon, headmaster. And then she walks into the shadows. Ah, uh, Hermione, he's squinting. <laughs> I just thought it was funny, but I mean, it adds, it definitely adds to, um, you know, set the tone, but. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm picturing, can you picture Dumbledore at his desk and she sneaks into the office and is in the shadows and he's working on his TPS reports and she's like, headmaster, and he's like, ah! 
and like throws his stuff in the air. Oh God, Granger! I thought you were a bow god. I'm terrified. Streets like a flying. Lemon. And I hate that he loses control and he has no idea how to get it back. He he really is Grandpa with Parkinson's in this. Even the rest is. He's like, I I keep the difficult stuff from him because he's so, he's so much of an innocent, you know, and we don't want him to drop. Like, he's the leader of the Order of the Phoenix and you shelter him? (laughs) What I don't understand is he's like the only one who knows Hermione's secret and like, they're like, top secret. And then he's like, yes, go ahead, do whatever. And. You let me know how things go. <laughs> the only one Voldemort ever fears, and he's like Snape is patting him on the head. We can't let him know that. <laughs> Minerva's terror- terrorizing him for information. Yeah, well, he turns into a six-year-old and is like, "Okay, I'll tell you." He even says that he turns into a six-year-old. Well, the characterizations just amused me in this one because literally Snape and and, and Lupin are like best buds. I know, they're BFFs. Well, he even gave him, like, the keys to his quarters, and you get in there, you go in the quarters, and it's like this crummy old, you know, like, broom know. closet. He's like, no, I have to show you the secrets location. And, Why does he have a fake home? <laughs> well, no, because that was the thing, because oh. he was a spy in the beginning, and then Hermione turned him in, so now he's a wanted man, so I could see him setting up the fake home man. But it's like you walk in the broom closet and he's like, pick the door. And I'm like, well, it's not that hard to find. You just have to pick one of the three doors. Then you have to like, there's the carpet. And he's got like a retinal scanner and he takes a thumbprint. He's <laughs> going dun, 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 dun. <laughs> like the only person who can come in uninterrupted is Remus Lupin and I'm like why the hell because it even says Dumbledore can't get in like Dumbledore can't it's Remus Lupin <laughs> only I'm like really yeah well, that was I thought they're, they're setting that up for something later I think right. so why does he even have a guest room he has two floors he I, has two if no what I think he has three floors Yeah, his lab was on the top. No, no, the library is on the bottom floor, and then the middle floor is the bedroom. Oh my god, he lives in the house from Paradigm of Uncertainty. (laughs) 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 He's in this charm. I love that house, really. I I, want to read the thing. The ending sucked, but great. Aw, he's in the left wing. Yeah, he's out in the gazebo. (laughs) That's the one gazebo. The winner. <laughs> What's the big room that Harry and Hermione claimed? <laughs> the cloister. The, yes. Yeah, I can remember. I'm like the ball. All I remember is the cloister in the ending sucked. That's the only thing I remember. <laughs> Great fic. Ending sucked. We would have talked about more, but Mike's computer table collapsed underneath him. Whoa! Someone got excited. What just happened here? Something's wrong. What just happened? Mike? Mike? <laughs> Did he, like, roll down a flight of stairs on the way? <laughs> I think it was... Is he gone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had to in episode 59. Great episode. Yes. And then a so, roach ran across his foot and he... Got- I was like, in that the roach episode? <laughs> no, it was the episode no, where we heard, we heard metal sliding. And what happened was one of his table legs gave out. So his computer was sliding towards him. So he used his body as a leg <laughs> to support I the... He didn't, want to, he didn't want to tell us because he was afraid we'd get mad at him. So all of a sudden uh, the computer fell on him and he like crashed to the ground. We're like, Mike, you're... <laughs> 
<laughs> he was completely gone. We actually pulled in a new person to podcast before you got Zorn from Spellcast. The like, oh. you're the new Mike. Hey, why didn't we pull Mike in for this very first one? Mike was uncomfortable. Because he refused to read. All right, here's the deal. Mike is uncomfortable with the story. And this- now, you know, here's the thing. You have to get this the about one Mike reason. Too. You have to get this about Mike, too. Mike is the guy that won't use, for example, shaving cream. Because 83 years ago... You know, someone put an additive in shaving cream that does nothing. It has no useful purpose, but he's pissed about it, so he'll, like, never shave. He Like, one little thing. I have no idea how the hell I just came up with the shaving cream. I think I'm on drugs. Oh, Vicodin. One cockroach will be one found in this bedroom. Thing. He will live in another room for years and years afterwards. Yes, he is the guy. Like, he is the guy that if he were... Like, you know your grandfather who will only buy American cars because World War II just really pissed him off? Like, he's that... He never gets over things. So he was very upset that Hermione burned the Marauder's map. And it was an accident! It really <laughs> wasn't, though. No, it it's really, not. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> well, it seemed to be an accident. As far as we know so far, it's an accident. Yes. No, it wasn't an accident because it even said in the story, you know, she apologized profusely and Harry, you know, accepted her apology but he still felt like there was something weird about that okay so it's a premonition it doesn't mean that she actually did it on purpose well my response to him is he's he's like aren't you furious i'm like there's many things that strike me as odd in the chapters (laughs) (laughs) like as jim was saying there's some inconsistencies in the characterization which stuck out in the beginning you have um snape and and, in uh lupin bffs (laughs) And even the point where they fight and, and, and Snape is like, damn you, Granger, you cost me my BFF. <laughs> so you have the two of them fighting. And Remus is all puppy dog eyes. Dumbledore, <laughs> is, Dumbledore is wandering around the school like Arthur from King of Queens. Like, you know, he's, he's past his time a little bit. You have McGonagall, who apparently is the new BFF because they had a fight. <laughs> so McGonagall and Snape, they're, they're, they're getting tighter. I'm waiting for him to call her Minnie. I know. Who loves or calls her mini. And um, Harry is like, you know what? Screw the whole save the world thing. I want to play Quidditch. And I want to sneak out <laughs> yeah, and play Quidditch at six in the morning. Well, that one I could see. Well, I could see the interpretation because that one there is a catalyst. You know, Sirius dies. It's, it's, it's a year. Is this a year six story or a year seven? Seven, I would assume if she's 18. She's 18. What uh, happened to year six? Because they're saying in the beginning it's the death of Sirius, and that was a catalyst for him. Well, if this was written in 04, yeah, they skipped a head lot. <laughs> so this is like Harry Potter in the year where nothing happened. So year six passed. <laughs> and, and now well, he's decided he wants to be Quidditch player. Well, no, I could see him just saying, you know, like, like heroes, that's part of the hero's tale, where they get overwhelmed and they want to just, you know, for, like we just saw it on Galactica in the last set of episodes. All the good guys give up and they want to go jogging and just forget about everything. I mean, <laughs> it, it happens and then they're like, we're, we're going to take over your ship. And they're like, shit, I need to get back to work. This is not turning out well. They're giving away my job. So everything works out. But like, no, I can kind of see that. So, the, so the, the hairy one didn't aggravate me as much. It did me, though, because it felt to me in some places that it was like one minute Harry was a total idiot and Hermione desperately needed him as a friend and she clings to them. And then the next minute she's 
doesn't even think of them. She's like, Draco, my best friend ever. You know, and then it's sort of like Harry and Ron are just her stupid little friends she has to put up with. Well, it's it's literally, it's it, we're coming into it in the middle of the story, so I wonder how much of it was us supposed to be trying to figure out what the hell's going on, why is she close to Draco, or how much of it was, you know, you're reading the story because you want Hermione and Draco to be best friends, so here they are. So what is Draco in this story? Because I'm giving him a 10. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't rated him on the hot meter. Seriously, he, he, he's hot. What are you nuts? More like super mega foxy awesome hot. Is he wearing leather? Kind of whiny so far. Yeah. He's so very, later he gets better. Well, he's staring. He stares at water a lot. I've caught that about his he's character. Emo dude. He likes yes. to ponder and stare. It's at emo his, Draco. He likes to stare at the like. Oh, Jen, <laughs> when Snape tied Hermione up with the leather um, wrist straps, I did thought of you. Well, let's back up to Harry for a second. When you find out later that Harry's just trying to live a little before he dies, I'm fine with that. The only issue I would have with it is it seems to be like he's doing it for like a year and a half. He's doing it like a petulant little kid. He's not doing it for like mature reasons or like in Battlestar Galactica where they literally had just given up. He's doing it because he's like, it seems selfish the way it's written. It seems. Well, no, I mean, selfish is fine. I mean, you like, take even the Galactica scene. You have, you know, the death of a godparent and you have, you know, the loss of faith. Well, not to spoil. So I can see something happens. But the difference is like the Galactica issue was all the heroes just gave up and quit. (laughs) But it was like three days. And then something happened, and they're like, shit, we gotta get back on the ball. Whereas this one, it does seem as though it, we went from the end of fifth year to, like, mid-seventh year, and Harry is still not coming to work. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, so I did like the the concept of, you know, Hermione is the forgotten trio member, the one who is supposed to be expected to just interpret data and not contribute beyond that, so that was interesting. She's the one who always goes to adults for help. So the fact that you would be like, screw the adults, I'm becoming a Death Eater, and I'm going undercover, that just didn't seem... Very take charge in this story. You know what it is? She's like a hardened criminal. She has some of these aspects in canon where she just takes things on herself, like, to do the polyjuice potion, they just go to the library and she does it. You know, like, she's got these personality quirks. She does. No, that's fair. It's usually in conjunction with the, with the boys, <laughs> but you could argue it's five years later, so now their relationship's evolved and she's doing it for them, but doesn't need them directly to participate. I, I still am struggling with Hermione's character, which is unfortunate because she's the main character of the damn thing. <laughs> I did notice that the author gives some of these characters pretty foul language at parts, which always, for some reason, always makes me laugh and somewhat throws me out of the story because I keep imagining, although these characters are, you know, having rape orgies and things like that, that they should all speak like G-rated. <laughs> it was the language. <laughs> it's the language that, that offends you out of the story. <laughs> It's Ron's language, too. I know! Like, why use the F word? These people don't use the F word. Seriously. Can I just point out something here? Hermione is a hardened, trained (laughs) serial killer in this story. And she's not just a trained serial killer. She's the person that will be shooting people and sniping them off from a rooftop while she's on the phone having a a speakerphone parent-teacher conference. I know! (laughs) She is cool as a cucumber. The guys are just whiny. 
<laughs> Snape excluded. You have lupins. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? Did I do something wrong? You have Dumbledore wandering around the school. Hello? <laughs> You've got Draco sitting near the water, just watching the delicate waves, writing letters. Hermione, I miss you. And you've got Harry, who's like, let's go for a picnic. And you've got Ron and Hermione's door saying, who needs you, Miss Apprentice Granger? <laughs> is like, I think it's like chapter two, and... The line where she wrote, five hours later, when they had nearly given up on Hermione, <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> five hours? <laughs> They're taking down the missing sign, the missing posters. Oh, oh my god. Call, call the milk company, take her picture off the boat. <laughs> I would have given up after about 3.5 seconds, like. Yeah. Okay, they're not here. Let's do something else. They're like waiting. Let's around. go play splitting staff or something. And I love that Ron keeps like banging on her door like a hundred <laughs> times or something. I'm like, dude, she's not there. <laughs> <laughs> He's like screaming at the door. There's no. I just loved it when he called her Miss Apprentice Granger. Like that's the worst <laughs> name he could come up with to call her. <laughs> You know, it's like he thinks that she's sneaking in a back door or something, even though there's probably not a back door there. But, you know, she she's she going to sneak in. And he's, she, has yeah, a door in <laughs> she has a door in the hallway. The way I took it that the room was set up is like, you know, like in the movies, the common room where there's that wall where you picture the cameras always are. So you never see that wall. Yeah. OK. Remember when there was an outside hallway until they moved the common room to the middle of the damn tower. So you had to walk by everybody to get in the common room. The secret entrance to the common oh, room is on the staircase. Like that. Was- I'm picturing like the first movie when it's in an actual hallway. Her door is like oh. right next to the fat lady. And it, it, so when you walk through the fat lady, there's a second Mine door has going done into serious her. study on. Yeah, it's like I never knew there was a bedroom there because that. Yeah, I thought her door just led into the common room, like instead of but going up the stairs side, to the dorms. She has a private entrance from the hallway. Uh-huh. So my thing was, when Ron is banging on the door for three hours, maybe she went out the back. You know why that door is important? Fire exit. <laughs> you must have two forms of egress at but all But she time. literally has a fire exit. She can go out the flu. Brilliant! Oh, ha, ha, Me and my puns. Yay. <laughs> He's banging on the door, Hermione. You know, Harry's just scared. I'm like, oh, that's sad. And she's like, oh my god, my spleen is ripped. And she's like holding her spleen together because they beat her very badly. And he's like, no, just want you to say something. And she's like, my vocal cords were cut. I really can't. And she you picture her just sitting there and they have like the turn around music on. Turn around. And all of a sudden he's like, you know what? You suck. I hope he got an infection. <laughs> like he's, F F F. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it was just it was it was sad. But I'm like the guys in this really just break down very. Quick. Hermione's like performed like suturing herself while Ron's like you're not paying attention to <laughs> my like, needs. She's pushing her spleen back again. It's like really the women in this fic are tough as nails, and the guys are just like I'm picturing Ron, um, Draco, and Harry just sitting by the water staring at the. <laughs> Draco gets her mind in the background with a stick fighting off a death eater. Harry's <laughs> worry has gone up another level. Come on here. I like it. I like it. Harry and Draco are spooning because they're both. <laughs> <laughs> well, Draco is a man's man in this one. He's like the one that like 
gives good hugs and he's like taking care of Hermione because he's the only one who can, apparently. I don't know yeah. why suddenly he's the good guy, but he is, and I'm fine with it for some reason because he's hot. What are you, nuts? More like super mega foxy awesome hot. Did anyone else feel that Snape sort of <laughs> overreacted about the whole Draco, you're raping her? Well, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, I was sort of like, why was he in the hallway either? He needed, he couldn't sleep, so he needed. He was going for a walk or something? Yeah. No, he he wanders the hallways at night like an well, overgrown bat. Like, I can't Adam sleep. Dumbledore. <laughs> I can't know because his private stock was, he, he ran out of. Um, Dreamless sleep drought, which is good that they meant that, that Kayla mentioned that it was the um, private stock that ran out because he has a four-story house. So why wouldn't he have any in there? So he's like, I have to go get some. And he gets some, and then well, picture the scene: you have Draco grabbing Hermione, and Hermione's obviously been shot. Yeah. So her guts are falling out, or something. She's screaming, "You're hurting me! Let me go!" Oh, that's well. That it's you know what? I don't think he was overreacting. Um, I think it makes perfect sense. If you just no, come across a guy like, and a girl in a dark hallway where she's screaming, "Let me go!" and he's ripping her clothes, yeah, I no. think something bad's happening. Yeah. Now I have a procedural question, if I can. Now let's just break the story down here. So you have um, story opens. Hermione to Dumbledore, I've become a Death Eater. Dumbledore to Hermione, oh crap, eat candy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Hermione to Dumbledore, my parents are dentists, let's be realistic. It was actually a really great scene. You find out that she has been taking a potion which is killing her and refresh my memory. The purpose of the potion was to keep her awake. It's a stimulant. The stimulant. Yes. Yes, it keeps her awake. And you can detect it through the fingernails. Now, why does she need to stay awake? She needs to stay awake to... I don't know. I think because she has to be awake at night for the Death Eater meetings and then also be able to get to all of her classes. Was anyone else picturing Jesse Jesse Spano from um, from Saved by the Bell? (laughs) They wanted to do the episode where she was hooked on drugs, but it was too risque for Saturday morning, so they had her hooked on caffeine. Caffeine, caffeine pills. And then there's the scene where she's like, I'm so scared. And then she goes to rehab. Look. <laughs> yes, she does. I remember. And then you see her. Well, you know she was in rehab because she's in bed with the covers pulled up over her lap. So obviously <laughs> she is not well. But she went to rehab. And picturing, I'm like, okay, Jesse went to rehab and, and Slater and Zach just hugged her. Oh, that is. She goes, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so, I'm so scared. <laughs> but here's the thing. Hermione's on the same stuff, and she has three weeks to live. <laughs> like I'm like, oh, my God. Well, she also asks him. She goes, how did you know I was on it? He was like, I used to be an addict, too. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. I, really done that. Like, I really did like the end of that chapter, though, when you know they both – there was the connection to their eyes. They had – you could look into their – each of them could look into the other's eyes and know those eyes had seen terrible things or whatever the line was. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was a really, really powerful line there. I also thought it was, you know, the plot device to get them together for. Yeah. Jab. It's got to happen though. It's got to yeah. happen sometime. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, now, talk me through this here. This is my question. So, okay, I'm working for you, Dumbledore, but I'm going to tell Voldemort I'm working for him. That's a spy. Yes, and, and and Dumbledore's like, I'm confused, I'm scared, I'm six, explain it to me again. And she's like, all right, let me draw you a map. So, <laughs> let me drop. All right, exactly. <laughs> so now Snape looks into her eyes and says, good God, you drink more coffee than 
Ryan does. So, okay, he really wants to say that. That's really stupid. But, you know, he, he would say, good God, woman, you're drinking so much coffee. Yes, we need to get rid of your coffee. We need to flush your system of coffee. The coffee yeah. is replacing your blood. We have to get it out. Right, which... Withdrawal. There needs to be a magical component. Otherwise, the rest of the story would be her just sleeping it off with a headache. So he, he <laughs> takes her down to his quarters, and he, like, you know, has to, like, get the retinal scan and the fingerprint. <laughs> he has to pee in a cup, and, the, and he finally gets through the fake quarters. <laughs> into his, and it's like, can you picture Hermione when she walks in for the first time? She's looking in Snape's quarters, and there's, like, the light coming from the unknown source and the, like the angelic choir it's like oh <laughs> you look books everywhere so you know, he, brings her down. Exactly <laughs> he then you know reads her mind and determines that she is as i believe I, how did i put it before jen he's a whore that's not what i said i believe it was she's batshit crazy yes. <laughs> like, batshit like, crazy it's like he's even looking into her memory saying, you know what? Lucius isn't even this nuts. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's completely lying to everyone, and she's trying to get Harry killed, and she's doing it because she likes it. Like, she's seriously making... I, I don't know how else to put this, and I hope I'm not offending anyone, but she makes you know, um, Bellatrix Lestrange look like a conservative wag job <laughs> who, like, buttons, like, her dress all the way up to her neck. Like, she just... But what she's, I didn't understand is Snape is supposed to be, like, this awful Death Eater and all these... Why is he shocked by her Death Eater activities? Well, he was... No, it she's wasn't She's pretending to like it. He, oh, no, oh, he, that's th- right. he thought she wasn't actually a double agent. She was actually liking Enjoying all Enjoying it. Okay, okay. Yeah. And, and so my question was, okay, you have her there because she's your spy and you're saving her life. Reading her mind, you now think she's actually the enemy. Why at any point did he not shoot her or something like you know what i mean like why was he like i must make you well uh well apparently she's the enemy why are we doing that yeah uh, well that was a good question he no, because, said I, will, I could shoot you now i mean he threatens it yeah, is it just but, because he made the promise to dumbledore that he would do everything in his power to save her so, but if dumbledore Probably. knew that she it was really evil. Like, he would be like, kill her too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, like, picture Dumbledore. You go back in Dumbledore's office, and now Dumbledore is played by the guy who played Ray Romano's dad on Everyone Loves Raymond. And he's like, Dumbledore, <laughs> yeah. I need to show you what I just found. Let me get your pensive. And they go in the pensive. They come back out, and Dumbledore's like, holy crap. Like, can you picture that? <laughs> like, I, like, I don't know. Why, it's like, why can't you tell Dumbledore? Like, that, that was... A little bit of confusion I have there. Like, she's really batshit crazy. Quick, you need a compress. Like, what? All I know is when he finds her, when he thinks Draco is raping her, and he's like, you shall come with me or you will get house house points deducted. And she's like, oh, okay. Like, um, someone who is really being tortured and raped and Death Eater-ish, like, would they really care? She's still trying to put up a front, though. Well, her spleen was leaking out of her skin. <laughs> it's true. It was coming out between her fingers at that point. Like, could you, like, like really, these are very violent meetings. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, I wrote that down. I said, torture, torture, torture. That was one of my notes. It's, it's all they do. Like, I was having difficulty with this. Like, okay, the goal is to get on his good side. If he didn't, if Voldemort thinks you're so unworthy that you're just, like, the topic of, you know, Smackdown sessions. 
<laughs> How close are you actually going to be to the inner circle? Like, could you picture him being like, all right, everyone, let's beat up Bellatrix tonight. <laughs> like, if you think you. How about the scene where Snape is, I'm cleaning, and Hermione, like, you see her jumping in midair and, like, knock him over a table, and his legs are shooting up in the air. And she's, like, scratching his face off. And <laughs> I'm like, ooh, that's a, that was actually a good scene. I like that. Because she's nuts, and she's batshit crazy, and she needs her coffee, and Snape won't give it to her, so she lunges at him. It's very man with a golden arm. It's like the scene from that movie with Frank Sinatra. I'm not familiar with that Me movie, neither. But... Really? Okay. It's where he's a heroin addict and he like goes off of heroin and he has this whole begging and then like scratching his face and slobbering and it's great. You know some fix where they're, where they're, they're trying so hard to get the characters together and it's like, you know, for example, Hermione, say it's a Hermione Draco story and they're like, Hermione, you're going to die. The only way you can live is if you sleep naked with a guy with blonde hair. And it's like, I love those fakes. It's it was the moment where she's like, Professor, you need to tie me to the bed. <laughs> oh God, no! <laughs> really? Because I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, why? Well, I think it was the author's note where she was like, Do you think I should make this Hermione's name story? I'm like, you don't know yet. <laughs> But I always wondered, though, because I'm imagining, like, if okay, say your hands, your wrists are bound together and your hands are still free. Like, I would be like, finger magic. (laughs) 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 I don't understand quite why binding her wrist Maybe you have to would... do arm movement or something to get the whole... <laughs> no, wasn't there something in the year like none other where Hermione, like, if Harry used a wand, he, like, blew a hole in the side of the world, so he couldn't use a wand, but if he used just his hand, his hand operated like a wand. So maybe I'm like, tie his fingers together. <laughs> I think Ray's right. You have to have the, the arm movements in order to get it to work. Well, now that that is clear... Well, I was picturing the same uh, set from a year like none other as Snape's quarters, just with the attached <laughs> retinal scanner option. It's it's all I have. I want to know where the heck Hermione learned how to seduce Lucius. What the crap? <laughs> that um. <laughs> That's a good question. She that, read about. La, la, la. Hi, a Lucius. Here's a book. <laughs> and they kind of they go through. I know that they go through like later on in the fic, and they, like, detail, like, how it all happened. But still. It's weird, because you wouldn't think that Lucius would want anything to do with her. And it's, and I shouldn't say that he wouldn't, you know, have sex with her or sleep with her, but he... he... It's weird, because she's supposed to be a virgin, and she's, like, a porn star. <laughs> Not because of moral ground. Or, and Ron's very whiny, so we, I think, can confirm that she's still a virgin, but... Um... Why does Draco care? I'm very. Yeah. I feel like we came in on chapter fifty of a story, and there's we're going to be getting random flashbacks to fill in the gap. But I'm yeah, very, they add more stuff. Yeah, I'm definitely very confused to start with. And why does Draco care? Because he likes her. They too. become it's- friends because he or she talks to him after his father's locked up or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. I just wouldn't believe that she would talk to him. So, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, fruits of a poisonous tree or whatever the hell the damn legal term is. I feel like she would never really talk to him, so I don't buy that he would fall in love with her because of the conversation that I never believe would have happened. So, I think... Well, I mean, why doesn't he care that she's screwing his father? No, I think because he does he switched sides, and so he's in on it. Well, not in it's... on it, in on it. Well, sort of. 
He's in on it, in on it? And on behalf of everyone, I'd just like to say my hand. He is the one who introduces her to his father. Mwahaha. Um... I think you've gone over to the bad place. It does say that Draco is the one who introduced them, doesn't it? And then switch sides. It does or not, but... Well, it it says... In the memories that Snape, like, digs into, he's, like, leading her at the ball where she's wearing the really revealing dress and stuff. And then he switches sides, Draco. Or does he never? Or that. They're friends before that. Okay. You don't find all that stuff out until later. Got it. Okay. He sets her up because that's what she wants. Okay. Yeah, okay, that okay, yeah, I thought you were saying something different. Okay, that would that makes more sense. It's just the initial point of them coming together or them having the catalyst for friendship I don't feel is very well explained. Although I suppose if you're thinking about it and she's got this big old plan where she wants to be a death eater and then she sees Draco all lonesome and stuff, she's like, Hmm, I can use this. She's very Slytherin in this story. Ooh. Now that makes sense. See, this is why we have Ray come along. Ray explains it to me because I'm an idiot. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, what the I've hell is she doing? Here? Before. And I'm like, what the hell is she doing near the lake? I don't know. It didn't make sense. <laughs> they all go hang out by the lake. Alright. Alright, Jen's notes. Snape is all smiles now at the dinner table, sort of like Lee when I try and give him a bottle. I love reading other people's notes. Dumbledore apparently is himself again. Those damn eyes are twinkly as ever. <laughs> I, I do like Jen's note here. Snape is the only one who can get Hermione through the withdrawal symptoms. What does Poppy actually do? <laughs> we can't tell her. She's an awful She's gossip. a gossip. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Don't it. tell everybody about She'll it. She'll let everybody know what's going on. <laughs> like, that's a good excuse not to She's use She's like her. walking like around like the school. He has herpes. Like, it's like, really? She's a healthcare <laughs> provider. <laughs> we don't let her treat us. She talks. <laughs> she talks. <laughs> She's such, like, in the order of the effing phoenix. If I were Snape and Dumbledore and a student were talking about me in the third person like I wasn't in the room, I'd be infuriated. (laughs) Snape just stands there. He does! I was like, come on, Snape, fight like a man! And he's like... I'm just picturing, like, in Chapter 2 where he's like, I'm no longer a spy, and people just catch him smiling in the hallway. He's happy and it's weird. (laughs) Yeah, I wrote, I underlined the word grinning in my notes. (laughs) Snape is happy. (laughs) He's, he's, he's like he's like smiling at his mashed potatoes. Like, <laughs> and they're like, you might not want to do that in front of the students, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> Hermione is amused by black blood, apparently becoming a death eater has made her have a gross sense of humor. She does impress him by um, really thinking on her feet when they decide that she's going to have to go in for her withdrawal treatment. And she's like, okay, let's... Uh, uh, oh, I know. Okay, you're going to tell Harry and Ron and everybody else that my family was attacked, and I'm going to go with them. And then we're going to tell, Draco's going to tell his father that we had a mission, and I tried to breach the wards, and I was knocked out, and, and that's why nobody will see me for a while. And, and hope and none like, of these people talk to each other. Each other yeah. <laughs> and Snape's like, wow, she is good. <laughs> 
crunch fingers. <laughs> <laughs> well, the plan fails, because then Lara McGonagall's like, apparently, I have an apprentice. Whoops, we forgot to let her in on that. <laughs> and she gives Hermione, like, her own office, which I thought was interesting. I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. I'm sorry you're a Death Eater and you're being attacked every other Thursday, but please have this office as a symbol of my <laughs> She has her own room. Apparently, I missed the uh, the, the point of, of of that. that she room. had her own room when she was the head girl, too, though. Like she's it's still, just sort of. She's well. Then later on, when she poisons Snape, everyone's like, "She's the head girl. Let her. She'll help us." <laughs> Like, like we, no one would be the best line. Oh my God, Snape's in poison. Call Pomfrey. We can't. She's a terrible gossip. Just <laughs> tell everybody. Yeah. Did, what did y'all think about the whole password thing? Besides the blood, the they go into the real one. It's the nymphs have departed, and like Hermione's like, yeah, that's awesome. I get it. I was like. I don't. I think it was a, it, well, it was a line from poetry, as I recall. And author note. It says it's from the poem called The Wasteland by T.S. Eliot. So maybe I'll look that But can up. you imagine, like, your friends when you have them over? <laughs> the nymphs have departed. <laughs> As you're going through the retinal <laughs> scanner and you're going through, like, the metal detectors and you have to take your belt off to get it. Metal detectors. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just felt stupid. I hate that when writers write things and the, the characters are like, oh, I know what that means. And I'm sitting there going, I don't. Like, what? <laughs> it makes me feel stupid. I hate feeling stupider than the characters. I already feel like an idiot most of the time anyway. Snape is sort of bipolar. He is impressed by Hermione one minute and saddened by her loss of innocence. And then he snaps at her and tells her to be girly and sob over his furniture like most <laughs> girls are age. <laughs> Yeah, he's got issues. <laughs> what is the purpose of Snape's guest room if he has the hidden quarters that no one can find on the map? <laughs> he has like four floors. It's like the guest room A. He doesn't even have a dog. Yeah. <laughs> he's got like the like the, the the bathtub that knows what you need and gives you like herbs and spices or whatever, which I thought was odd for a shower or a bath. Like it seemed like he was trying to like cook a chicken or something. Well, when she wakes Mindy up, soup. when she wakes up, so, oh my god, it's the one where they eat her. We read the wrong thing. <laughs> we read the wrong thing. <laughs> no, crap. I looked up this poem that that nymphs thing is from. Holy crap, it's oh, yeah. freaking long. I'm not gonna yeah. read it all. It's very long. But. I like I the know. chapter. There was like an entire chapter that was like the "Oh Captain, My Captain" poem that I read in eighth grade. I'm like, oh my god, it's back <laughs> with like Snape's analysis of it. <laughs> well, no, it was. I had an English teacher. I could never get that poem down, so I was actually grateful for Snape's analysis. Oh, Captain, my Captain. I saw it in Dead Poet Society. I think that's yeah. That's basically what I remember it from. And I wanted to always stand on my desk too. <laughs> I said, leave, Mister Keating. Captain, my captain. Sit down, Mr. Anderson. Go, Captain, my captain. What did everyone think of um, June the hel- the house elf? Oh, I liked her. I didn't get that she was a house elf. I had to go back and read it. <laughs> yeah, she didn't seem like a house elf. Like, usually house elves have a, their own particular form of dialogue. She's sort of more like Dobby, only... Educated? She, yeah, educated. 
She came across like a 68-year-old woman, though. She came across like Alice I'm the Maid. Old. <laughs> Brady Bunch, Alice the Maid. It's like the people who do Hagrid's accent, but don't incorporate the fact into the dialogue that he has an accent, so he's just talking normally. <laughs> Good morning, Harry. How are you today? Really? Hagrid? Really? It was kind of strange. She's very interesting because she's educated, because she's free, because she has very stern views and is actually educating the other house elves, which you don't She's see very often. Like the children of house elves <laughs> and then yells yeah. at their parents when they try to bring them into service. <laughs> <laughs> you must be paid. It always cracks me up in every fan fiction I read this, where they go into the, the eating area, wherever they are, and there's this multitude of food. And my mind always goes to things like, what a waste. Like, do they just put like everything in the fridge and eat it for leftovers because everything is fresh or like do they have like a food landfill in the moat or maybe just, they just keep transfiguring it into other things I know, well, no. well I didn't know what you ate so I just got everything I'm like really? they're starving children you know not Hogwarts <laughs> I'm sorry I just love the fact that Jen has a bullet point in her notes Hermione is a whore because you don't see that very often <laughs> <laughs> she's not a tribal warrior no okay here's a good one when Snape calls her a monster I felt that Hermione uh, should have flinched it would have given the reader more comfort knowing something more was going on last night I sent Jen a message and like it was at the point where oh, yeah. where where we discovered that Hermione is in fact batshit crazy and like gets off on killing people I'm like Jen just tell me this is a front, right? Like, she's really not batshit crazy, because there's, like, 80 more chapters of the story, and I don't think I can do it. And I was like, yes, the writer... I, yeah, there was a certain... There was a certain part point in that chapter, and I was... Where it was too misleading, because you actually start believing that Hermione is... You know, when you write stories like this, I think you have to keep in mind that you want the reader to believe... It's sort of like when you're watching a detective show and you always kind of know who the killer is before the detective figures it out. You know, that sort of thing. Like, you have to keep the audience a little bit ahead of the character. And in this circumstance, it wasn't like that. So when you when you don't when you're not pointed out the truth, you start believing whatever is written. And then then she kind of turns around and says, oh, but I was faking the whole thing. And then you're like, oh, but then it feels badly done. Yeah, I mean, I I figured she wasn't that too crazy because why would she be like that? Thing, what like, would the story be? Yeah, I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> I mean, I thought it was bad when she was just trying to be a spy. This is awful. Hey, <laughs> Jenny, I mean, he was really concerned. <laughs> Look, she's an evil jerk. <laughs> I yeah, she's it's not true. Well, thank you, God. Well, I think it would be when Snape was, like, hitting her over the head with, like, a mixer. Like, you jerk. The yeah. mixer? <laughs> I don't know. He, yeah, he hits her with the KitchenAid mixer. He's like, you will go through this alone. You and, like you have a, and you will have He's... a dent in your head. She's like, thanks, my spleen is feeling so much better already. Is he smacking her like she's smacking Ron in the new trailer? <laughs> <laughs> These girls, they're gonna kill me, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, I know. I cannot wait for that do you think that he saw that just because that's what he was kind of expecting to see and that's why he didn't go any deeper that time? Yeah, they or, don't explain why he sees that, do they? 
Why was she's an Aquamans, but she's such a good Aquamans. She's blocking him out, so she's a Mary Sue Aquamans, and she's she's feeding him what she wants him to see because she's got everything else hidden deep inside of herself, where she doesn't want anybody to see it. She's like super mind organizer person. Yeah, and you see more of that later too. At one point, does she actually write "mwahaha" in the story? Because my text reader tried to read it. She's got, she's got like these dividers. Sometimes it's O's. A couple times it's been M's. Well, fun fact: following every single apostrophe in this story is a space. I don't know why. I think it's a formatting goof, either from fanfiction.net or um, the author herself during formatting. There's a space after every apostrophe. So instead of saying "didn't," my computer has been reading it as "didn't t" because there's a t. And I'm like, "Didn't he want?" And it was like a who's on first. I'm like, what is going on with the story? It's like, didn't he? I'm like, didn't he what? Didn't he? Didn't he what? And it's trying to say didn't. So then by the time I figured that out, it's trying to say mwahaha. And that just completely blew its mind. Yeah, there's certain words that when it reads, it really messes them up. And you're like, wait a minute, what? But the, <laughs> the scene breaks, the oh, oh, it, it reads that. And that can get really annoying. Oh, 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 oh. And he was like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> Going that comes on. later in the story, jeez. <laughs> well, it's, it usually will say, like, A slash N, like, for author's notes, but for this one, for whatever reason, it was, like, un... <laughs> <laughs> There is a wah-ha-ha in the author's note. And maybe we tried to read that, but it sounds like a gong going off every time a chapter's over. I'm like, the hell happened? <laughs> Back to Jen's notes over here. Is romantical even a word? No. Yeah, I stumble over those, and then I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I, I like when he goes down for dinner, and, um, and that's when he uh, breaks up with Remus, and, and they're not friends anymore. <laughs> I have a but then he runs into McGonagall, who's really worried about um, Hermione, and Albus has told her all about the attack and everything, and he's trying to really downplay it, and she knows that he's lying to her, and I love this. And Severus, this was the voice that made fully grown students duck in panic. It wasn't a question, and you're not too old for a serious t- tongue lashing. And he sighs in defeat. <laughs> she gets them all. And then later she goes to Dumbledore, and she's like, all right, I want to know. And he's like, oh, there's nothing happening. And she's like, all this and he's like okay i'm gonna tell you everything (laughs) dumbledore is the worst like military (laughs) no seriously dumbledore is the head of a paramilitary organization and mcgonagall stares at him like and cocks her head to the side he's like i give up i'll tell you everything he breaks up with remus in the great hall then he walks out and mcgonagall's like is everything all right with you and remus i'm like wait you hiding behind one of the benches staring at us wait is mcgonagall one of the people allowed in his house I don't think so. No, I don't think so. No, and they're tight. So that confuses me. If he was supposed to be a scary Death Eater, why is he afraid of a tongue lashing? Like, seriously. <laughs> he, like, bows his head and has been off duty for, like, two months. <laughs> yeah. He's, He's gone soft. He's, like, fat Please Lee. don't talk sternly to me. He's, like, fat Lee after New Caprica. <laughs> He's gone soft. <laughs> He's budgy and <laughs> he's wearing the pregnancy. <laughs> but I agree. Why couldn't he have just said, "Remus, something's come up. I'm very sorry." Instead, he's like, "Why couldn't he have just said, I'm busy. Come back later." Instead, he's like, he's seriously sitting there. He's like, Snape to Lupin, drop dead. 
Yeah, he just, he doesn't, his people skills have not improved, that's <laughs> for sure, even with his few months off. Yeah. And it's the same as when he threatened Hermione with the 100 house points. It's like, you know, she's bleeding all over the floor. Does she really care? Push the rib back in. But then she comes up with some such great lines as I feel as delicate as an autumn leaf. Like, what was it? I, feel- I know! Yeah. I feel like an autumn leaf. <laughs> I'm like, really? You're going through withdrawal? Like, like usually you're like, grr. She's like, you're the poetic. I actually wrote, very wow, good imagery, Hermione. <laughs> I should explain myself like that. How do you feel? Frail. Like, <laughs> people talk like this okay this is a very important part of the story i think that this is a part where the story kind of takes off and i think this is important because this is where the snape hermione story kind of happens and i think this is what the appeal is to to women i don't know girls what do you think that this is sort of where snape starts being the mr darcy-ish take care of the weak frail girl you know what i mean like as much as women power and all that stuff every girl swimming at this at the very end of chapter 10 we're kind of where we are after they've talked about all the hallucinations have happened and so snape kind of knows what's going on and this is after he's mind raped her again and found out the truth (laughs) she was very upset by the tree well i think that going back just a little bit because first of all she asked him not to leave her and he's at that point he still thinks that she's the whore and that she's enjoyed all of this and and he walks out without a backwards glance and then in the next chapter or a couple chapters later when she asks again that he not leave her he gets his stuff and stays at the bed and then doesn't leave her bedside the whole time she's going through the withdrawals and having the hallucinations so Yes, Jen, I agree. That's kind of where that's where it starts to really change. Actually, at this point, you can accept they're not the canon characters, and as long as their differences are consistent, it becomes a stronger story. I thought the, the point that really started to pique my interest was the discussion of the dark room and the fact that yeah. while she was held in that room, which is very... Um, it's pretty awful sounding. Psychologically damaging. Like, you're in a dark room for three days, you don't even know what time it is, and you're gonna get attacked out of nowhere, so it's like you can't sleep because you're afraid of being attacked. And, and you can't hide behind anything to, like, you just have to get fully attacked. Whatever. Right. And, and, and Snape actually saw Hermione in there, not at the time understanding it was Hermione. I think that was just a dream. Oh, was that a dream? Why did I think that was almost like a flashback? Would they have been there at the same time? Maybe it started out as a and he falls asleep and it becomes Hermione. Okay. Yeah. I, I read it like he was almost remembering yeah, that he saw he's her. he's like there. thinking about it and then he wakes up and he realizes that he was dreaming. Okay, that actually does make sense too. Okay. And she asks him about it and he's all pissy to her. Well, I mean, we're getting to the point now where <laughs> he's like... He's bipolar! <laughs> for the first 10 chapters, <laughs> I kept doing the whole, you know, Hermione wouldn't do this, Hermione wouldn't do this, Hermione wouldn't do this thing. Now I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, Hermione has apparently decided <laughs> to do this. Let's see how it worked. So, um, <laughs> if in he's that starting case, to accept the truth. <laughs> exactly, I'm giving in. But I mean, when you look at okay, based on the fact that she's gone through this awful ordeal and she's being beaten and raped, this is awful thing. You have to ask yourself: number one, would she actually do this? And I don't know what it's meant to accomplish, other than she thinks she can save Harry's life by doing this, which is yeah. We haven't gotten to that point yet. All we have so far is that she is hoping that she will be able to lure. Voldemort to an area where the order is ready and they can take him with superior numbers. That's all I have so far. 
like my complaint in the last story that we covered in um, Power of Faith was that Hermione goes through an awful ordeal and doesn't really seem to react to it and is forgotten after a couple of chapters. I mean, for what she's going through now, she needs to feel awful. She needs to completely lose faith in herself. She needs to feel dead on the inside, which she does, which is a very good thing. Yeah, she keeps putting up the masks. I mean, that's really well done, because you you need that. In most stories, they protect the, especially strong women characters, from having, like, they may have, you know, experienced rape or whatever, and, and that's a very powerful, you know, contribution to the character itself. But they, but usually you'll find that, you know, most TV shows and most movies and so on will protect strong female characters so they don't appear weak. This is a Hermione who's lost everything, and she's been utterly humiliated, and she can't live with that. And the only thing that she has is, even though she's been utterly humiliated, it was her choice to do it. So she's looking to exercise any control that she can over her own life. I think that part of the story was really, really well done. And I agree with Jen. I think this is where the story actually did take off in terms of holding my interest because that that's a story worth telling. Agreed. This is sort of where we find out that she's not really a Death Eater horror. She's misunderstood. And he's decided to really help her like he should have all along and that kind of he realizes he was a jerk. He's like, why didn't you tell me you weren't really a whore? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, yeah, I really didn't under, because that adds angst to the story. I mean, it, it adds angst to her character. But he, he once again he enters her mind, and I think this is like the third time he just can't yeah. seem to stop himself, and it's, it's just horrible. And, and he's the person in charge of helping her get over her convictions and to control her urges. Yeah, but this time he gets sucked into her memories, and he just can't get out. And he's just like, "Oh crap! Now what do I do?" Yeah, and I thought it would have been interesting had it been her fault that he stayed in, but it's it's sort of like an accident and i think that it, it would have been more interesting had it shown her power you know that she's very she's actually good at her whatever she's doing at spying at being a death eater mm-hmm. if she had kept him there like if he's gonna do it she's gonna put him through the pain of seeing everything you know right. but it just sort of was an accident well that was the scene from a year like none other wasn't it where snape forced harry to see his memories yeah and this is the opposite this is it's Snape soft. forces Hermione to see Hermione's memories. Snape is very forceful. And she's just sort of devastated at the end of it, too. She He tries to reach out and comfort her, and she evades his touch and flees from the room, but she's still shaking and, and has lost all color in her face and is about ready to retch and everything, but she still won't let him comfort she's, her or anything. Well, she's more upset from the fact that now that he knows, like at least before she could pretend that nothing was happening on the outside because nobody knew about it. It was just her. And now even she makes even that comment. She says, every time he touches me, I'm going to know that you know, and it's going to make it that much worse. I mean, I think that's really profound there. I mean, and I, he feels absolutely horrible for it. He should. Have, he, no, he definitely should. Only to have her walk out and be like, yeah, it happens. You know, you need all the weapons you can get. And she equates herself to be a weapon. Mm-hmm. Which I thought yeah. was that was really good. Yeah, see, this is it's picking up. It's picking. It is. That's what. That's the whole thing. Like this is where it's starting to get a rhythm here. We needed some of Snape angst a bit, and that's I think chapter twelve provided some of that. In that he starts making himself feel bad for what he's done, and it's so weird because his first he's like skipping through Candyland out of happiness. Who can take a sunrise? 
and now it's like starting to be a bit more of the Snape we all know. And yeah. mm-hmm. so, although he's still a lot more, he seems a bit weak in that he's like, "Oh, I shouldn't have done that," and let me apologize, and blah blah blah, and gets flowers. <laughs> And then she comes back and it's sort of like, oh, this is the Hermione we saw in chapter one. Like, at least we're seeing some consistencies here because she apologizes. The one thing that threw me was he's incredibly apologetic for what he did. And then as soon as they're back in the classroom, he's being an ass again. Yeah, he's got an image to protect. (laughs) But but I got the sense, though, that it was genuine anger on his end. Yeah. Well, he wants her to stop. At this point, he doesn't want her to be a spy anymore. He wants her to stop. And so he's working through his own feelings with this. And he wants her to stop going and, and doing all the things that she's doing. And she's not going to. And he goes to Dumbledore. And Dumbledore says, no, she's an asset. We need her. She's not going to. And he has to work through that himself and kind of put it behind him so that he can start helping her again. Well, he wants her to acknowledge that she's a victim. And she says, well, I'm not a victim as long as I keep going back and keep doing it. Right. You know, I'm going there willingly. Yeah. It's and 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 so obviously he can't deal with with that because he want. it's kind of like he has a certain image he wants her to be and she's not that and she's trying to convince him that she's not that and yet she still wants to be that innocent person and I think that in Hermione's character and I think this goes back to kind of canon and being strong-willed and blah 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 she could do all these terrible things and then the heart of the matter would still be that she could still be true to herself and like overcome does that make sense I don't know No, I think it does. I think it does. Which is why I think it kind of works that they use Hermione instead of, like, Jenny or somebody else. Because Hermione has that Gryffindor will. I mean, I think that's why she was chosen to be in Gryffindor rather than, like, Ravenclaw. Because she does have gumption. Mm-hmm. I love that and <laughs> There's a line in here somewhere. It's in my notes somewhere, but I'm not sure where we're. She talks about having a little bit of each of the houses in her. Um, Yeah, she she has the um, the work ethic of a Hufflepuff, the inquisitiveness of a Ravenclaw, and she feels like a Slytherin now more than anything. Well, she's a spy. She's got to be Slytherin. They're all manipulating everyone. I did love the part where she had where she poisoned Snape, and she walks up to him in the hospital bed because Pomfrey's off telling people. Oh yeah. And she's like, "Are you all right?" He's like, "I'm having the time of my life." (laughs) And then you find out that he's like actually. I ingested more than ever and I've got terrible diarrhea and ugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty awful. But he's having farting fun. The- <laughs> <laughs> it's like farting all the time. Like, oh, this is awkward. Oh, uh, poor Snape. It's the worst. <laughs> Her reward for poisoning Snape is she gets petted on the head. (laughs) (laughs) I got to sit next to him all night and even pat my head. I got to sit near the throne. They only beat me four times. (laughs) Just had to lick the blood off his boots. It was okay. Oh, that was awful. I forgot about the blood. Black blood. (laughs) She goes to all those rebels and Dumbledore gives her hot chocolate when she comes in. Tell him about it. Helpful. Oh, she stops being friends with Draco. That was actually a big part. She decides that she can't allow herself any human warmth. And so she stays away from Draco. And so Draco's lonely because she's his only friend. Mm -hmm. I'm picturing Draco and Lupin (laughs) in a bar sharing (laughs) 
don't like us anymore. <laughs> I used to have a BFF and they screamed. <laughs> well, to be fair, uh, Snape couldn't let Lupin in because he would have smelled her with his werewolf senses. <laughs> no, she was there. She smelled terrible. And it was supposed to be a secret. No, but I have. Uh, I, I'm redecorating. Like, can we go to your place? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't get that part. Like, like, like he's, a cra- he's a crappy spy. <laughs> like Voldemort Snape. What's new? I don't want to talk about. Like, I think oh. that's what's somewhat amusing about the early chapters. Is I think ever it's it's funny because no character does what you what you think they should because they're supposed to be intelligent and they all make stupid decisions. Snape going around smiling at people. What's he thinking? <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's just wrong. One point Although, you know, it the, would be scary. Hermione, he's in the Great Hall and Snape's staring at her because she has like three weeks to live. And he's like, I wonder if everyone's noticing I'm staring at her. I should st- hmm. Mashed potatoes. Like <laughs> He starts to really worry about her because she's getting tired and she's starting to make mistakes and everything. And he just knows that she's going to make a mistake and and end up dying and uh, it feels bad for Neville because she falls asleep in Snape's class and he's like dang how can I how can I wake her up without anybody knowing I I'll know blow up Neville. let's blow up Neville <laughs> yeah poor Neville oh, and she's like oh well okay why is it that Snape because he's been a spy for so long he can just see through glamours why is it that oh and the one line that Hermione says that just killed me was I've got to keep eating because Lucius wouldn't like it if I was losing weight. I was like, yes, Lucius is helping anorexics everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. So she's wearing this glamour because, you know, she has appearances to keep up. But Snape sees through them, yes. which is really talented on his end. <laughs> that too. It's like Lucius with the mommy. I'm like, that's nice that, that, that <laughs> Lucius Malfoy, of all people, is not obsessed with physical appearances and wants her to look healthy. <laughs> so he can, the better to beat you with. <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness. Well, Hermione comes back from um, another revel or something. She's been beaten, and she can't make it up the stairs, and she's not going to go to Snape. So she accios Harry's firebolt, and Ron sees it. So, of course, he's got to follow the firebolt so he can knock on her door and yell at her through the door. This apprentice cream. (laughs) This is like his new place in the stories. Where's Ron? Oh, probably knocking (laughs) on Hermione's door. Knocking on Hermione's door. Slips out the back. (laughs) Gosh. Uh, I just like his, his, like, ending line here. He goes, good night to you, Hermione. I hope you glow glow in righteousness. (laughs) It's one of those words you definitely read, but you can't imagine someone screaming. (laughs) Everyone talks very strange. Well, you know, like, I was watching, like, I don't know, Jay Leno or something the other day, and they were having, like, the signs of, like, Chinese thing, like, in China, and, like, they were, like, English translation. Well, in China, apparently, there's, like, the Chinese lettering, and then there's the English translation, and, like, their translations are sometimes a little bit too literal, like, in the restrooms, it says... Um, whatever Chinese, and then in, in English it says uh, something like "flush after shitting and pissing." Like there's, <laughs> like there's actual like vulgar. <laughs> and like so, these signs, these these signs are up. They're like real, and I'm just wondering if some of it is sort of 
<laughs> the thesaurus used because it's not. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, or yes, no, it was, was wash your hands after shitting and pissing. Like, <laughs> Hermione, if you need me, I'll be retiring to my corner. <laughs> retiring to the car. Oh, I mean, it's good work. I mean, people really should like use them. I think, and and people should educate themselves and and what the words mean and. And I'm totally pro, like, getting these back into speech, but some of them are just a bit... They're, they're certain Don't words start that you while read. you're screaming in her mind. You need to open the door while calling her names. Don't start yet. Yeah. yeah. You don't usually glower. How do you, I don't even know you say... That's like certain words you just read. You know what they mean, but you never say them, so you don't know how to pronounce them. It's time to... glowered yeah. at her? Yeah, that he glowered. Glowered? Glowered? Glowered. Is that something you do when you're like face to face with somebody, though? He's glowering yeah. at the door. Yeah, because I mean, it's kind of lost on the closed I mean, door. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could still do it, but he's banging his head into the door. He's frowning profusely. I really well, okay. liked chapter seventeen. Is that the one that's not really oh, a chapter? Yeah, <laughs> talking about how she's getting married. <laughs> it was eleven thirty. I'm like, all oh, right, no notes on this one. Yay! <laughs> well, Hermione's definitely not herself. Oh, this is the O Captain chapter, and she's sleeping in class. Her head hits the desk, and all I could think of was the little sound effect I have with a bowling ball. <laughs> you know what always makes me laugh is when they do things like he offered her an arm to lean on and then i like i try to physically imagine it and like i'm, I'm imagining his arm like straight out and like her like hanging on to it like it's a pole like, anyway i don't know he's funny funny things. he probably but just there's... offered her his arm and she's like holding herself up by it like, but there's like Levy Corpus and stuff. Like they're ma- they're magic people. Like true. She's like, she's like dragging his arm. Like what the heck? Uh, it's just gentlemanly. <laughs> all right. Well, I hope so. A shoulder could work too. A shoulder Molina. Yeah, or he put his arm around her. Like just handed her, put his arm out there. And finally decides that it's better off to help her. So he's going to stop working against her, and he's going to start working with her and doing everything oh, he can. Oh yeah. To- because I finally realized that it's not my job to make your life even more difficult or to fight you on the way. That instead I can help you with the burden that is yours to carry. And I've come to tell you that if you're willing to do it, that is, you can rely on my help. So he's finally decided that let's work on this together because they're at cross purposes and neither one of them are getting anything done. So now if they can work together. And earlier he found that he really liked talking shop with her. He missed having somebody that was smart enough to keep up with him. She's the first spy he's known in years. Yeah, yeah, at least the one he can confide in. Well, actually, technically, in the first few books, everyone turned out to be a spy, but it's, it's the first one on his side. Mm-hmm. Well, and so she's got terms, though. You know, she, he can't be a father figure. They're going to be spies sharing a goal, and he's not going to be her BFF. That's well, I like right. that, too, because that's the way you're telling the author, don't worry, it's not going to get incestuously icky. It's going to get... <laughs> Not yet. Yeah, not here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. I'm just trying to remember how explicit it actually gets. I know. I remember. I'm just trying to whisper. How far did you read? I don't think that I've read till almost the end. What I remember, and it's been a while for me as well, but what I remember is that it it doesn't get explicit between Snape and Hermione. No, it, no, not between them. But it does between... Yes. It's more of the same. Like, especially 
in like in the early 70s i think something happens and okay yeah yeah that's when we love jane and that's where we're at now is is we've kind of already brushed about meeting jane but that's about where we are in the chapter yeah we talked about jane already Jane the house elf, in case and, you were confused. And what, okay, so he gives her full access to his chambers, and which is good because she's like number two that has full access. I mean, um, this is like I used to have full access. <laughs> and it's so I don't funny. anymore. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> well, she's feverishly thinking, "How can I repay him? How can I tell him how much this means to me?" And so, was it her password or she made a, a tapestry turn colors? But she says Rivendell. <laughs> It's and that's password. supposed to Okay, that's her password. And like apparently the elf land in Lord of the Rings is her sacred thanks <laughs> to him. Like everything is all clear now. <laughs> so <laughs> The explanation was mildly lacking for those of us who are a little dim. It's another of the nymphs thing. I'm like, okay, <laughs> more profound than I'm The nymphs are approaching, he shoves his head into the retinal skin. <laughs> <laughs> I still love that. <laughs> How come she didn't have to do a retinal scan? She does. She just does the handprints. Oh, yeah, that's right. yeah, she just one little circle and two big ones. And he says, remember where these are. And she does it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Doesn't the hands go in the two smaller ones? And then doesn't she look into the big one? So, yeah, that's the retinal Opposite. scan. There. Hands are in the big one, looks in the small one. I like oh. that they're circles. Like, I'm imagining, like, the... Hogwarts castle wall being all jagged and brick-like and like there's these perfect little FBI circles. I have a question about the walls of Hogwarts that Jen just <laughs> reminded me of. Okay, there are apparently death either surveillance <laughs> devices <laughs> in the walls so deep that even Dumbledore can't find them. Dumbledore has failed to impress in this fix so <laughs> And the fact that he can't he remove the enemy surveillance play. equipment. And they even managed to get on the grounds. But they, I'm like, really? They get on the grounds? They're just they running know? everywhere. But no big They're deal. <laughs> They're like hanging onto the hoops. They're probably hanging out in the rose garden. That <laughs> Severus, like, apparently. Like, Hello, Death Eater. Would you like the lemon drop? When they're, like, walking to the castle, and she's like, oh, we gotta go around the Rose Garden, because people like to, like, bake out and stuff here. And he's like, oh, I've never caught anybody here. How can he not have caught someone? He went to the school. <laughs> All the other, like, every other fic, he's, like, blasting apart rose bushes and stuff, you know? <laughs> it's like the White House. Let's cut through the Rose Garden. Really? Yeah, the, he's a really good spy outside the castle, but once he gets inside the castle, it <laughs> like just all falls apart. It's a spell. He gets dim. <laughs> Why doesn't Hermione give her own reports to Dumbledore? Now, I, I think it's to give Snape purpose. She's like, he needs a job, so you get to take everything to Dumbledore, because really, he is so stupid. I can't deal with him anymore. <laughs> no, but it is, it's like, yeah, she doesn't want the hot chocolate anymore. She's just trying to stay away from the hot chocolate. <laughs> She's got to work on her weight. <laughs> they finally got her off the caffeine. Have some hot chocolate. <laughs> well, they're plotting together, plotting for the future. And then she poisons him, which I just loved. I like that the tongue, every time tongue lashing, because there's the sex at the beginning of the story. So every time I read it, I'm like, is that a sex? Oh, no, that's a talk, stern talking to. Like, I have to think. Like, the wording is weird to me. Tongue lashing. It's not something I hear very often. 
Yeah, especially in the context of this story, you have to really look at the... <laughs> you do, it's, it's true. That tongue lashing, that usually just means getting yelled at, right? <laughs> in yeah. this story, there's no way to know. I would say... <laughs> we skipped ahead, though. Like, 19 and 20 is about how Snape gets poisoned, like we already talked about. And But we, but we did... You did miss where Hermione has that cute little moment with Ron and Harry... Yeah. Where sort of every time she has a moment with them, though, at the moment, it, she's a pathological liar. Yeah, yeah she's like all fake. She's going pat pat on their heads and crack <laughs> up. On, all take the story. Want. Take the story. Like Harry's cheering up. I know. Mm-hmm. Like how stupid are they? She's are- like, I couldn't remember the damn story this long. She's like, back when I went to see my parents, and she's thinking to herself, I haven't seen them in years. Death either. There he is, no. I wear long sleeves. Yeah, why does no one ever notice? Like, it must be time. Because the Hogwarts sleeves from the movies are, like, baggy. You'd think that, mm-hmm. like, arm would come out. Like, it's like a choir robe. Well, I can't believe no one's noticed right now that, like, her spleen is bruised and every. Well, she stitched herself back up. Well, Draco Harry... manages in canon pretty well. That's true, too. Harry of did course, notice no at the him. very beginning that she was moving like an old lady. He did. He thought that when she... When they think up with each other. In customary Harry, he didn't think much of it at the time. He doesn't no. ask questions. <laughs> oh, whatever. Strange. We find out about uh, the old ritual mating, and this is important, where it gives the participants the, the ability to connect their minds, and they'll always know where their mate is, whether they're in danger. With a little training, they can even communicate through their bond. Anyway, so they're finding all this stuff. Like, that's really important. That's foreshadowing people. Foreshadowing. <laughs> no, can anyone tell me what foreshadowing is? Oh, <laughs> foreshadowing is a dramatic device in which an important plot point is mentioned early in the story to return later in a more significant way. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a flashback to the fic from hell. Uh-oh. We were discussing. And there was actually a scene where Harry could communicate with Jenny forever through his hand. He could talk into his palm and Jenny could hear it on her <laughs> end. Imagine well, like he a just had a communicator. Come on. Well, as I recall, there was an issue where Harry... I don't know how to put this. Um, Harry had free time. <laughs> And Jenny needed to call him to ask him something, and, um, got a nasty surprise. Is it wrong that I was totally aroused by that? (laughs) Somebody wrote that? Uh, It was very graphic. (laughs) I think it was a throwaway line, but it was still... Uh, Well, I just keep imagining, you know, like when you draw a little face on your finger and you kind of wiggle it? Like old any person, do, do, do. like we used to do that. We used to have Cheetos, and we'd make little videos. Do you know? Remember that song from Oh, I don't know, the president who wrote it, the Peaches song. Going to the country, gonna eat a lot of peaches, and then it's like millions of peaches. Peach. We used to like make little videos with Cheetos and those like finger people. It was awesome. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my! <laughs> was that weird? That was our talk. That's what we did. Yeah, welcome oh. home. Welcome back. Yeah. Well, Speaking too. of Cheetos and peaches, <laughs> come from a can. They were put there by a man in a factory downtown. If I had my little way, I eat peaches every day. Yeah, you don't know that one. Sun soaking bulges in the shade. 
seriously, it's a good song, and I look it up. Okay. okay. I, I, right now I'm working, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> seriously, if y'all are listening to this podcast and know the Peaches song, PM Jen, I need support. And if, you, and if you are listening to this podcast and you wrote the story, we got, we apologize profusely. <laughs> The very end, she tells Snape her idea on how to vanquish Voldemort, and you know she's the big plan that she's going to lure him out to. Is it how do you say it? Tintagel? I believe so. Something like that. Do you mean Tintagel, like the castle, King Arthur's castle? It's Tintagel on uh, Halloween night, and then Jane kind of weighs in and says that the house elves fled there because it was free of elemental magic and so they're starting to think well you know this maybe could work it's going to take a little bit more planning but you know maybe Hermione's onto something here that's pretty exciting because nobody had come up with an idea yet so they'll have Hermione. to beat up Voldemort until he dies. He's like super Hermione. <laughs> super Hermione. Answer to everything. She's like, I'm going to be a seductress and spy for Dumbledore. And I'm also going to come up with a plan for everybody to follow. <laughs> and it's going to work. <laughs> and hallucinating at the same time. And she has cramps. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just reading that part, yeah. The cramp and part was unfortunate. That comes back later, too, so that's kind of a good foreshadowing as well. Right. Cramps oh, I'm just return. I'm glad that Snape like, acknowledges that cramps suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, Voldemort's like, I've been there. <laughs> you rendered Ryan speechless. I just love how we're ending on Hermione's cramps. <laughs> hey, we can end on right. something else. Right. I'm just surprised that they gave her the dark mark when she's just this lowly mud blood person. Well, that was my whole thing with it. It was they were either excited to have her on their growing team, or they just didn't appreciate her. It doesn't seem like they appreciated her because they beat her up every week. But if they appreciated her, she would be in a better position and wouldn't be beat up so much. This was written before all the canon came out, but I mean, Draco gets the dark mark, so it's not a matter of, oh, they're scared people at school might see it. Again, they don't ever give it to um, Greyback, because he's like a minor member. So she must be pretty high up there or something. Yeah. Yeah, I still have some questions about that, so I'm hoping that'll be resolved in future chapters. I'm just not sure where, how, how that whole thing works together, because it's like, if she's that much on, on the inner circle, she shouldn't get so excited when he pats her on the head. <laughs> I think we'll leave it there with the first 20 chapters of When a Lioness Fights. I won't lie to you, when I read chapter one, I was very, very scared. During the story itself, you know, there was definitely um, a growing period over the first 10, 12 chapters or so. And then, it, as Jem was saying, it did kind of become um, much more consistent between the characters. So I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes from here. And I hope Hermione feels better soon. And <laughs> please, God, don't let Dumbledore make any command decisions. He's not... He's not, he's declining rapidly. It's like, I went over Danielle's house the other day. Her grandfather walked in the room, looked right at me and couldn't see me. I was three feet away. Like, Dumbledore is declining. He should be dead now. He's a year past due. Well, he's practically in assisted living, so. (laughs) I'm waiting for the walker with the tennis balls. (laughs) And Dumbledore looks older than it ever happened. He starts mumbling around. There's been a lot of talk recently that... Dumbledore's got a bit old. What rubbish? But he's only... What is he? I'm 50. Give or take a few years. <laughs> <laughs> I liked 
says, it says, and stay tuned for next week's chapter to give you strength. Hermione is hurt again and ends the evening crying in his arms. Spoiler space. Spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> it's like yeah. every other week she comes back and it's like the same red broke again. Yeah, those are always the best stories where they get, you know, I'm a big, and I don't know anybody out there, but I am a big Bones fan. I don't know if anybody watches that show, but Bruce, yeah. Bruce and Brennan, I'm sure there are people out there. And it's a great show, but every time they like get remotely romantic or where Brennan is the girl and Booth has to save her, it's always such a letdown because it's not this big deal. It's like they have this big murder thing and then, oh yeah, we had to save her from death. And then they move on and I'm always like, more, we need more. Like I think fan fiction does a good job with giving the more in explicit detail sometimes. Very explicit details, Mike. <laughs> oh my, we'll make. It I mean, there's no, there's no Jenny hands in this one, but. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> All right, good night, everybody. You have a great <laughs> night, everybody. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. Ta-da! We're back. I'm Ryan. <laughs> and I'm Jan. <laughs> and I'm Jan's mom. <laughs> Keep it down. I'm recording and it's picking up. <laughs> it said mic on, mic off. Mute. What the heck? We can hear you. Oh, crap. That's, Edit this all That's out. what editing's for. Don't make the editor in a bad mood towards you because the editor has all the power. <laughs> Who's the editor? Me at the moment. I love you, Sue. <laughs> This is so oh exciting! Gosh, this is so exciting! This is like the next generation. The peons are coming. Hi, you children. Hi, everybody. How are you? Hello. Good. <laughs> Hi, I'm Cody. Hi, I'm Kayla. And I'm Kelly. I'm Scott. And I'm Sue. And this is Peoncast, The Next Generation. And today we are going to cover a series of Drabbles called A Different Fate by Lord Halibor. And we are going to go through chapters 1 through 32. Chapters are about 100 words each, so it's not an incredibly large amount of content. They're all Drabbles, and the entire story is 65 Drabbles long. The summary is, AU, JKR portrays Harry as completely unaffected by the death curse cast at him. But how would things have gone if it had been different? This was something that was definitely a new experience for me on a couple of different levels. Just the content, first of all. And second of all, I don't really normally read like a Drabble fix like this. So it was a, a new way of reading and it was also a new type of reading. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about the characterization. It was good in the story, but I'm still pretty ambivalent about how I feel about the entire arc of the story. It's because I think that a lot of what makes Harry who he is is what went on at the Dursleys. And I feel like it's almost a different person because of what has happened. That is sort of the point. I, I know it. I know it's the point. I'm, I'm not sure if I don't like it. I'm just sort of still a little bit ambivalent about it. Well, I think the biggest thing here is we have a child that has been brought to Petunia. And Petunia's character is different yeah. from the get-go as oh, well. Yeah. She's looking at this one-year-old child as the son of her sister, who she was told at the age of three, you have a baby sister, you need to protect her. Uh-huh. And she didn't do that. And the Petunia Dursley that we see in the canon is not that person. This is definitely not the right. same Petunia. She's because not 
as different right from the beginning because we don't necessarily know that her parents didn't say you have to protect your sister and she does certainly hate the wizarding world generally the way they bring it out in this one is that she hates them for taking her sister away from her i think that her character is the main one that's different i mean we see vernon as he's a little bit not as horrible as we see him in canon but still essentially the same character and i don't think that really applies to dudley but i think that Petrini being a different character shaped Dudley into a different character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But because he was so young, yes. it was like yes. he was yes. just grew up differently. Yes. He wasn't actually a different character to start right. out with. Yeah, it's I, the I same agree. with Harry as well. There's uh, uh, the general premise that being hit by the killing curse made him um, developmentally delayed. Petunia raises him differently is another major branching point yeah. for him. Yeah. So Well, that and you don't have Vernon. This yeah, Harry clearly needs her protection in order to continue yeah. forward yeah. into life. Remus and Petunia, I was not sure how they would work in, but it wasn't really a factor that much. It was, but it wasn't. Progresses like, like, slowly enough to make sense. The story is really Petunia and Harry, basically. Remus yeah. comes yeah. in and sort of affects that in various ways. Yes. As does Dudley. Which is, you know, you look at this and you think, do I really want to read a Petunia Remus story? And it's not. I mean, you see it in a handful of the chapters. Vernon doesn't mention that much either, except in the impact he has yeah. on Dudley. Well, that and the fact that he left Petunia. I really like the scene where Petunia was telling Dudley that Vernon left because he couldn't handle Harry being who he mm-hmm. was. And just went to that he shouldn't have to deal with this this young. And how Dudley was like, adults aren't stupid. But yeah. But Vernon is... <laughs> <laughs> and just like that's what you think when you're like eight years old, you yeah. know, that adults aren't stupid, that adults can fix everything. And won't stop talking about how Vernon leaving was wrong and it wasn't Harry's fault and etc. And Vernon hits him and then Dudley goes silent and wants to go home. And one of the mm-hmm. only points in the whole thing that Vernon's the least bit sympathetic, the last line of that one, Vernon was afraid he was going to lose his son. And this time it was entirely his fault. And another way that Petunia's really come away from the canon is that she's actually joined a self-help group and is acknowledging the fact that she has trouble with Harry, that there's problems, and in canon she would never have acknowledged that there was something wrong for sure and never would have uh, joined a group like this because they're so private and everything's perfect and and all of that. So She doesn't have the obsession with seeming normal that the Dursleys have in canon. Early on in the the chapters, she sort of resents the fact that they can't ever be normal because of this, but she moves past it and it doesn't become the all-consuming thing that it is. Yeah, she doesn't get so bitter about it, mm-hmm. you know. I like how Dudley but, becomes like that too, where he yeah. had that friend. He got oh, mad he at Piers. Oh yeah, and he yeah. hit Piers because Piers didn't like, and because Harry. they took the teddy bear because he was afraid and, of Harry and threw the teddy bear in the mud puddle and broke his glasses. And, it's the right. Um, Travel disobedience. Yeah. Like the first bit actually highlights a great difference in canon because it says five-year-old Dudley knows that he mustn't hit others, and yeah. Petunia has been very strict with yeah. him about that, which never would have happened in canon. He asks her why people are teasing Harry because Harry is different, and the people who are teasing right. Harry think that they're better than he is because he's five years old and he still wears nappies and drools. I mean, yeah. he's a disabled child. Chapter 12, which is worries, 
Dudley is seven and he's worried. Dad told him something when he'd been with him today and he doesn't know what to think about it. And he said that Harry's the one that made him leave. And Dudley can't imagine why he would have done this. He just wanted to talk to his mom about it because he's afraid of what she's going to say, too. This mm-hmm. was before mm-hmm. the Vernon mm-hmm. hitting him episode. That right. happens in a couple yeah. chapters, I think. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But apparently it's he doesn't want to believe mom because dad left. He doesn't want to hate Harry for dad leaving, so... It's kind of hard for a seven-year-old. By his logic, if it really was Harry that made Vernon leave, then he couldn't possibly like Harry anymore, which he doesn't want to do, but that's the way his Mm -hmm. idea goes. Right. Right. Thirteen is the one where Petunia says he doesn't like Harry because he's different. That's why he left. Harry didn't do anything. And then Dad is an adult. Adults aren't so stupid. And having to realize that sometimes they are. That's it. And then in the next chapter is when he gets hit and he wants to go home. Yeah. Yes. Chapter 16, I think. Yeah, I like 16. Is when Remus but comes into the story. It was just a little weird, though. Just, I mean, I guess... It's a bit coincidental. It's also a bit coincidental that A, he knows his name from when he was one year old. B, he recognizes someone from when he was one year old enough to call them by their name. Like, he recognizes someone by name from when he was younger than a year old. Well, you look at it from, I mean, he's how old? Eight? Yes. Eight years old. And and this has happened with people who are brain damaged, where they can remember things, where they were, what they were mm-hmm. reading, what they were eating before the accident. They know the people before the accident, but after they have the brain damage, you can't do short-term memory. You, have, you may have trouble talking. You may have trouble, you know, all that stuff is involved with brain function. I think with Harry, he's still so young that he he remembers. He gets very frustrated. He still he gets very frustrated. You see that. And I think that's because he remembers a time when yeah. he was normal. And then if he remembers that time, he's going to remember. It says later his speech therapists hadn't thought he was ever going to talk, and then he started. So the idea is sort of that he's been living inside his head all this mm-hmm. time. He hasn't yeah. been. Mm-hmm. Yes. Everything has been concentrated on that one year that he remembers well, and just the basics of interacting with the rest of his world. Normally, a person probably wouldn't remember that far back, but it's the most vivid thing that he has to remember is that one year. So it's. I know. I definitely think yeah. it's possible. That's that's what that's so, what I got. Harry's first word that Petunia hears, which is Remus, is, is Remus. Okay. And this is one of the things that sort of harks back to Petunia of Canon because she's really very uncomfortable having a wizard in her kitchen. She, um, someone from that world, shouldn't be in her world. But then Harry keeps saying Remus, and he's smiling a lot. So she sort of says something about anyone make his face light up like that can't possibly. That bad. I kind of feel sorry for Remus here because he doesn't know that Harry was damaged. And being confronted with this is a shock for him. The eight-year-old boy in nappies who sometimes drools and doesn't speak a word besides Remus's name. It, it's, it's heartbreaking, you know, especially since we know Harry differently. And seeing this alternate, it's just, it's painful. Because canon Harry is terribly articulate, really. It's sort of being able to express himself subtly. It's one of his strengths because he's able to sort of bust gut laughing at Dudley's outfit, for example, without getting punished for it because he doesn't let them see. Various other things like... When Dudley threatens to dunk his head in the toilet and he says, oh, well, I do that, but the toilet would like your head or, or whatever he says. Dudley doesn't get it. He's not smart enough to 
figure it out and figure out that he's just been assaulted until after Harry's long gone. Part of that, of course, is that Harry is the narrator, and of course we see him better than we see most of the other characters. Um, That's true. He certainly has his moments of teenage inarticulate around things with school and girls. We don't get to. We don't understand why Snape hates him so much because Harry does not know why Snape hates him so much. Harry's second word is then to call Petunia mum, and that has right. tremendous impact on her. Just before that, though, when we're talking about Remus's first impression of of Harry, and and he thinks of that James and Lily would turn in their graves if they could see him, but then after he visits a few times and he sees the dynamic that's in the family, he realizes that he's wrong, and that James and Lily would be very pleased, pleased to know that. Harry is loved. That was a nice time. Very good at putting everything in 100 words exactly each place. And they all have that sort of beginning and middle and the ending punch, which is part of what makes a good story and something that's really hard to do trying to fit it into 100 words. Well, this story was like eating potato chips because you read one and then you read another and then you read another and another <laughs> and go on and on and on. You know, it just it was like that. Um, I thought it was interesting on perspective where Remus is reflecting on Harry and how hard life has been on Remus. But at the same time, he's not the only one. Look what life has been like for Petunia right. and Harry and Dudley. And I think it follows a little bit later that Harry gets the same thing from him. First we see him in book three. He has this picture of having lived difficult life for the past 11 years because everything he owns is shabby and he cleans it to the best of his ability but everything is getting threadbare and his briefcase is tied in together with string and all that. And he is sort of, he has this air of being tired a lot of the time. Part of that mm-hmm. is simply going through a transformation in every month. But still, mm-hmm. he's a man who's sort of lost most of the things that were good in his well, life. And, and he's point. really spinning his wheels. He hasn't really done anything. Right. Yeah, other people have it bad too. And it's not the same, but it is. I mean, that's it's broken people being able to help each other. That's another thing that I like about this format that interests me, is we're able to have these various different characters all have a point-of-view moment. Most often it is Petunia, because it's her story, but we also have moments with Remus, mm-hmm. and with Dudley, and Vernon, and Harry as well. Mm-hmm. Gives you a slightly fuller picture of the world doing it that way. We had talked about the Petunia-Remus ship, and how it really was kind of a gradual thing, and so he's been coming over to spend time with Harry, and he's just realized that he kind of likes spending time with Dudley, too. And then he's there when Harry has an accident and falls out of tree and, and ends up breaking his arm, and he goes with Petunia to the hospital and stays with her the whole time. And it's then that she realizes how close that she's come to him and that she doesn't want him to leave. So it really was kind of a gradual thing. And this is beginnings of an outside plot start impinging on that. Trickling in. Which is what Mm -hmm. sort of propels us into the next half of the story that we'll be doing next week. Arabella Fig has once again moved in however many doors down she is and comes over and realizes that this isn't a Harry that the Wizarding World is expecting. And she knows that Professor Dumbledore will still send out his letter and expect Harry to be showing up for his first year of Hogwarts. And yet 
another thing we've discovered in the course of this these last few chapters that Harry is absolutely mm-hmm. terrified of magic because mm-hmm. at, at some point Dudley's been begging and pleading to have Remus show them some magic because he's regular kid read the fantasy stories and like to see this wonderful stuff and as soon as Remus takes out his wand and holds it up Harry has a screaming fit because that's exactly what he saw before the killing curse hit him in the face or so that so that also reemphasizes the memory of the first year being the most important because he remembers that from nine years before. Like the part two, I think we skipped past it where Petunia first finds out that Remus is a werewolf. Yeah. And her first instinct is to tell him to leave and not come back. But then she saw the picture of Harry on the wall and she feels guilty for judging him on being different. And then she decides that it doesn't matter. This is another one that has uh, that sort of ending punch on the last line. I think she picks up Remus's hand. I don't care. And the last line is, it's a lie for now. But Petunia is determined to make it become. Yeah. True. Let's show how deep of a person yes. she is. She talked about Arabella coming. Petunia realizes that Arabella tells them to leave, which I thought was brave on her part because she was put there by mm-hmm. Dumbledore to watch them and to approach them and say, he's going to come looking for Harry. You need to take him and go. Now Petunia's got to make the choice. Yeah, do I take do the kids leave? away from their friends? Do I take Dudley away from his father? And then she's looking at Harry and she says, how can anyone make him fight? He's just a child, a child who is scared of magic. And she knows that doing that would break him and she can't let that happen. But before they leave, we get the proposal. Remus is going in with them. He's the one that made it all possible. He used his right. magic to get them past immigration. And, and, of and they go to they Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Where they speak English. Remus posing to Petunia because they're going to leave. They're going to leave. They're going to go to Canada. And when they get there, he's asked her to marry him. So that's where we're leaving. Tune in next time when we do the second half of this. So from Beyondcast, good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs> good night. Good night. And we'll see you again next week. Bye.